0: When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan.
1: When you're lost in the rain in Juarez, and it's Easter time too, And your gravity fails and negativity don't pull you through. Don't put on any airs when you're down on Rue Morgue Avenue. They got some hungry women there and they really make a mess out of you. Now if you see St. Annie, please tell her thanks a lot. I cannot move. My fingers are all in a knot. I don't have the strength to get up and take another shot. And my best friend, my doctor, won't even say what it is I've got. Sweet Melinda, the peasants call her the goddess of gloom. She speaks good English, and she invites you up into her room. And you're so kind and careful not to go to her too soon. And she takes your voice and leaves you howling at the moon. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, One Song at a Time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us once again is my pal, Lee Asif. Hi, Lee. Hi. How you
0: doing,
1: Rob? I'm doing great. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, this song, just like Tom Thumb's blues, is track eight of side two of Highway, the classic uh, Highway 61 Revisited. Uh, this is going to be a fun one to talk about because, Lee, I have a little secret to share with you. And, and nobody's, really? nobody's listening. So we're, right. we're, we're good. Um, This is my favorite song on this album. (laughs) Really? It is. It is. I can't argue that it's a better song, quote unquote, doing air quotes here, than, -hmm. of course, Like a Rolling Stone or Desolation Row, which are genius level accomplishments. Agreed. But if if I think of the one that gives me the most pleasure to listen to when I listen to Highway 61 all the way through, it's this one. So I am super excited to talk about it.
0: That's awesome, man, because I do. I love this song, too. It's got one of the things I wrote in my notes was I, as much as I love the '61 version, I absolutely adore the version that's on um, um, Bootleg Series Seven, No Direction Home. Okay, and it's, and i know I'm segwaying into a weird spot into it, but it's just the general pace of the song. I like the pace on that version, but it's got this really nice sort of drunk at a siesta kind of thing. <laughs> reflecting on the trouble you've been in. And by the time you get to the end of it, it's like, I've had enough. I'm going back home. <laughs> this was, it, you can't tell it, it was fun, but was it really? You know, kind of thing. This is like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do anything. I got to get out of here. Kind of thing. So, yeah, I love this song, too. And it's nice, especially in 61, which, like you said, has so many great, you know, the opening and the closing alone. You know, tracks and just this has just got a nice leisurely pace to it. It's just kind of going through it slightly drunkenly.
1: Yeah, so. yeah, slightly. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely has the feeling of a party that got a little out of hand, and yep. and and as much as. I've I've seen people refer to Highway 61 Revisited as a concept album and I don't mm-hmm. I don't think when they call it a concept album they think of they're they're calling it that in the sense of like a, one of those yes concept albums of the 70s where it was like you know we'll literally about all. like a wizard that went through mm-hmm. time and this is more thematically a concept album
0: I agree but at the same time
1: you know if you really if you really want to you can say that you know Bob Dylan the character the the, the mm-hmm. singer is right. following this road through America uh, and and he's you know it's the spine of America highway 61 and he 's examining what he sees and when you get to this point he 's literally run out of America he 's now yep. in Mexico he's out of exactly. the country and then uh-huh. of course the song ends with where he taught and i 'll get to the line in a second but in the, the right. song ends where he talks about going back to New York City which I think leads effortlessly into desolation Row it does. and so it, it really as close as you can say that any of these songs are quote unquote in the same universe uh, Mm. of each other. This is what it feels like to me, is that it's like, okay, he has bottomed out. This character Mm. is is just now not even in the United States anymore, and things are no better than Mm. they were in America because everything here in this town is bad. Everything Mm. is bad. I mean, it's just... they talk about the um, I don't have the strength to get up and yeah there's corrupt cops I don't have the strength to take up and take get another shot I mean this is somebody strung out on drugs presumably doesn't even have the effort to to do more drugs that's how wasted they are
0: Sweet Melinda who's obviously a prostitute you know there's there's all these nefarious stuff and I wanted to say something I had not thought of until I was taking my notes earlier was you know you and I of course did Political World which is a song steeped in corruption I mean the whole song is about the, the corruption of the system and everything around it and I never Really thought about how this one is kind of like a not a bookend, it's not really that close, but in its thematic sort of fashion, it's corruption at its core and just things going bad, you know. And you know, like you said, bottomed out that's a great way of putting it because he is. I feel like this movie reminds me of Sam Peckinpah filming, oh, yeah, Br- Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, yes, kind of,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's got great- that. That's a great uh, it's a great reference. Yeah, I totally can be, this feels like a Sam Peckinpah movie as a song. It's it true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: does. <laughs> and, then of course, and then and then the fact that he works with Peckinpah of course on on um um, Pat um Garan, Billy Bob, the Bob, Kid. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um and yeah, so it does. It feels like, you know, I I see I see Bob the character Bob Dylan in the song. But as we're talking about it, and I'm telling you that, I can see the Warren Oates character kind of as that character, if he could get out alive, you know, if he could mm-hmm. just get out of Mexico and go back to New York, you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's got that feel.
1: Yeah, every, everything here is corrupt. Everything mm-hmm. is, is, is either up for sale or it's not the thing that it's promising that it's supposed to be. I mean, he continues on. It says, up on Housing Project Hill, mm-hmm. it's either fortune or fame. You must pick one or the other. Though neither of them are to be what they claim, if you're looking to get silly, you better go back to from where you came. I love that line. You, you're looking too. at you like this is not a place to kind of dick around because you're gonna yeah. you're gonna end up dead somewhere because the cops don't need you, and man, they expect the same. Which is another amazing turn of phrase that you know. Even the and, and it continues on. He's now all the authorities they just stand around and boast how they blackmailed the sergeant at arms into leaving his post and picking up Angel. Who just arrived here from the coast. Who looked so fine at first, but left looking just like a ghost. And you're like, oh my God, all these poor people. And then he wraps it up with, I started out on Burgundy, but soon hit the harder stuff. My everybody yeah, everybody said they'd stand behind me when the game got rough. But the joke was on me. There was nobody there, to even there, to call my bluff. I'm going back to New York, New York City. I do believe I've had enough. I mean, it's just every facet of this town is... Riddled with corruption, and and this this poor guy that has found himself here is like, I thought maybe this would be a great place to bottom out. I keep using the phrase, but this is this is too bad. Even for me, I'm going back home.
0: Going back, what you said. If you're looking to get silly, it's it's almost saying if you're just a frat boy down here to think he's going to get drunk and get laid or something, you are in (laughs) the wrong place. You do not come here. Yeah, go to Tijuana or something if you want to do that, maybe. But don't come here. Is not what you expect. Yeah, and this um,
1: this thing is littered with literary references. I mean, I just mentioned up on Housing Project Hill, which is from Jack Kerouac. Uh, he mentions Rumorg Avenue, which is of course uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe's first detective story, and then yeah. the whole notion of being drunk and dissolute in this. Mexican Town, is from Under the Volcano, the, the the novel, which was made into a movie directed by uh, John Huston and starring Albert Finney in the 80s. So the, the late, great Albert Finney. Late, Good great call. Albert Finney, yeah. So, I mean, this... Did not know that. Like yeah. I mean, Bob was such a sponge at this time. He was just reading and reading and reading and soaking mm-hmm. up all these references. And so it does have kind of carnival feel to it, but it's, again, it's a carnival that's getting out of control.
0: It reminds me, as as again, I, I keep saying this and you know, it's notes, 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 but I <laughs> realize that the town reminds me of the Black Hills version of Deadwood from the show Deadwood. Interesting. You know, which is, again, there's no law. It's all corrupt. You know, there's a few people who aren't corrupt, and they're luckily surviving for the most part, but it's just, you know, it is. It's, it's the... It's the land of the doomed to a certain degree. You know, it's just, you know, it, maybe there's prosperity, maybe, you know, but at the same time, you know, you're probably just going to get sucked into the abyss, you know, unless unless you're lucky and you can get out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When I, when I sing along to this in my car, I mean, I just, I don't know. I find it again, it's such a dark song, but Dylan's vocal is so kind of amused a little. It is. Oh, I like that. It it is. It's just like, he's just sort of thinks this is funny that he's commenting on all this Stuff uh, and and there's again there's just something about I mean it's not like like a Rolling Stone where he's hectoring poor Miss Lonely uh, and even Queen Jane approximately which we covered on the show is much more gentle but this is this is like wow this is pretty bad stuff but it's almost like a guy from his balcony. That's mm-hmm. just watching it all and is sort of removed from it. Like, wow, that was not like you could sort of picture Bob on a on a balcony watching this and then going into his room and typing away, you know, like, uh-huh. tack, 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 tack. Oh, here we go. This I'm going to add this. And B- Sweet Melissa, the angel. I mean, all these again, mm-hmm. all these characters in this in this uh, song.
0: Agree, because you're right. Sweet Melissa, again, Melinda, the goddess of blue. You know, and, and you're right. There's so many in there. And the cops, you know, the, the sort of ubiquitous um you know, slightly authoritarian, corrupt, fighting cops. You know, you're right. It's got a lot of great characters, and it's just again. And and uh, again, my favorite line is, "I started out on burgundy, but soon it hit the harder stuff." I love that. I can almost see now that you've made that reference, and I can see Bob on the on the windowsill up there, you know, sipping on his you know, on his on his wine. You know, maybe thinking about moving on to something, and then picking up a notepad to write down, you know, what he sees down there on the street, kind of thing. That's neat, man. Mm.
1: Now you mentioned the other one of the version off the bootleg series, volume seven. You said that's mm-hmm. your favorite, or that is okay because yeah. this song it took Bob sixteen takes. Wow. to get this that's a lot more than he normally would do but obviously like he did with like a rolling stone which i think was done in like nine takes he knew and, that this was special he knew this yeah. this had to be right so 16 is but that's a that's a high number for for Dylan like, to do
0: that's like that's like david fincher or stanley cooper yeah. let's, do <laughs> let's do it again let's do it again let's do it again Now, what uh, what is it about the other version that you like so much Again, it's something I kind of – and I could should have saved it for now, but the, there's, there's a slightly more laid – in my opinion, there's a slightly more laid-back tempo in how the music plays out on this version than on the 61 version. I also, that when it says, when your gravity fails, I love the version where it's like, when your gravity drops and negativity will not pull you through. I just like the line. I just like drops instead of fails. For some reason, He just sort of floats through it. And hmm. I'll be honest. And I'll also be honest. You're such a Bob. You're you're my Bob expert. You are, and you've been the game for a while. I'm 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 a late bloomer, really. But and I so really, I probably listened more to Bootleg Seven first than when I started listening to Sixty One. So I had to, so most of the cuts, mostly alternate takes of the songs from Sixty One that are all on Bootleg Seven. I like the Bootleg Seven versions better just because that's where I started with them, and so I kind of have a soft spot for those versions, and it's just. Again, there's something because I, before I, before we got together on this, and I was taking notes, I was listening back and forth to those two versions, and it, really, you, I, I I could tell there's something about they strummed the guitar just a little bit more laid back, a little more you know Mexican siesta style, you know, kind of, and, and maybe it's just me. It's probably so subtle, it's just not really there. But I don't know, there's just something a little more. He's a little more drunk and laid back on that this cut of it than I feel like he is on the one that winds up on the album, which seems a little crisp by comparison, yeah. Let's just I can see off. that.
1: No, I can see <laughs> it. I mean, again, I think it's there if you want it to be there. I think that's mm-hmm. that's, that's Bob's thing. Uh, you mentioned the, the the musicians, and this is something that I, I don't credit enough on the show, and I want to make more effort to talk about the the band that Dylan's playing <gasps> with because I mean, this band that he had. Backing him on uh, Highway 61 is just beyond compare. Uh, Of course, we've got Mike Bloomfield, Mm -hmm. uh, the late, great, doomed Michael Bloomfield on electric guitar. Al Cooper on (sighs) electric piano. Paul Griffin on piano. And Harvey Brooks on bass guitar. And Bobby Bobby Gregg on the drums. And my actually favorite part of this song, as much as I love the lyrics and I do love the lyrics, my favorite part is when the song ends and we hear that strum – Mm-hmm. I don't know why I love it so much but that the, the dun, dun, dun dun and it just sort of descends down a little yep. and there's just it something does. about it just sort of and then Dylan's harmonica bursts flates out I just I like, I, I don't know anything about music. I can't play it. I've never made any attempt to. But, like, when I hear something that good, it makes me want to learn how to play. Because I'm like, I would love to be able to recreate that sound. It's such a great strum at the end. It's just sort of the, the punctuation at the end of all of these words. It's just, of just I guess, presumably, that's Mike Bloomfield. He's mm-hmm. going, and it just fades out. I absolutely love
0: it. I, I, and you brought it up. And this is something I, you know, and I still did not take notes on that. But, um, um. Again, the musicians, I'm glad you brought them up because Bob surrounds himself with great musicians yeah. all the time. But this bunch is insane. It's amazing because, like you said, you've got Bloomfield, bless his heart, and and Cooper. And Cooper, again, it sounds like a cheap piano, like a cheap saloon piano. <laughs> it does. It's got that real, you know, you know It's almost like I see somebody playing the deck. I see Van Dyke Parks playing the piano in Popeye or something like that. You know, just that kind of rough house's restaurant kind of thing where it's just a little cheap, you know, slightly out of tune piano that's just doing the best it can. And I like that. (laughs) You know, Cooper just carries it so good. He's so good at it. Mm. Yeah,
1: this is an an amazing band that he was putting together. And these are, you know, incredibly ambitious songs. And Mm -hmm. like I said, it just I, I, I just think this song is perfect. I mean, again, I can't. Uh, I mean, this thing is a, is a has stayed in in the man's canon. It's been performed live, two hundred and forty three times. Uh, wow, since nineteen sixty five, which is not a lot, but it but it's it's certainly part of the repertoire. He last played it in twenty fourteen, uh, and so it's it's never you know it's never really uh, it's never really been far from something he could play. But it doesn't have the long tail that like a like Rolling Stone or Ballad of a Thin Man. Have but nevertheless, it's still like again. I I really think this is my favorite song. And um, I went and looked up some covers because of course oh. this thing has been covered by a lot of people. It was sampled by the Beastie Boys in one yes. of their songs. I remember it, and I didn't know that was coming. I heard that Beastie Boys song a bunch of years ago, and all of a sudden there's Bob I'm like what like <laughs> that
0: was like where did that come from? But the... I love that diehard big Beastie Boys fan. Okay. as it is, and that's off of a uh, um that's off of Paul's boutique, and it's from. Oh, crap, but something like looking down the barrel with a gun because you're right it finally gets to the end it's like again i'm going back to new york city I yeah i have had enough. enough it's just like wow <laughs> and so when i fell in love with bob it was like ha ha i know that
1: yeah ah. i love it i love that cool. that works in there and um the cover wise uh there was one by nina simone and i had uh wow. i i played that and i like you would not it's real mellow it's uh-huh. super mellow, and boy, do I love it! I'm kind of—I'm only really vaguely familiar with Nina Simone, me too—and uh, but I was like, oh my god, this cover is extraordinary. Now I kind of want to go get some albums of hers because I was like. This is a really interesting interpretation of this song. I mean, just mm-hmm. to do it in this kind of mellow, slow way. But I really loved it. It's, you can hear it on YouTube. It's absolutely fantastic. My pal uh, Laura Tenchert played it on her show. Definitely Dylan on the um, one of the um, covers episodes. Uh-huh. And that's it's really. I mean, it's just it's just extraordinary. So that's a really great cover. And speaking of covers, I do need to mention this. When I was at the 30th anniversary concert in 1992, oh. Neil Young was the first act on stage after the debacle with Sinead O'Connor, uh-huh. where she got booed. And so it, re- it turned the crowd around because, of course, a bunch of the crowd, a bunch of the assholes were yelling at her. Mm-hmm. And then they said, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Young. And, of course, everybody likes Neil Young. And so it sort of, like, turned the mood of the place. So Neil Young comes out, and he sang two songs, and one of them was this. He sang Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues. And he the first song he did was this one. And when oh. he gets to the line... And your gravity fails and negativity don't pull you through. If you go back and listen to that cover, he leans hard on the word negativity and he and he, he sings and Gravetail's that negativity don't pull you through and i'm like that's his comment that's his comment Neil. to the audience yeah and i i picked it up immediately i'm like he's talking to you like, i like i i didn't turn to the guy next to me who was booing but yeah. i cuz i was too too much of a chicken but i could have cuz i should have been like that was for you buddy yeah. that's neil's talking to you you know you're being an asshole to bob and his guests here but i couldn't help but think that was you know, that was neil's chance. i mean in the moment to think about that and to, to sort of drop that in on the crowd, I wonder how many people noticed it.
0: I bet you probably, I, I imagine your people like yourself, the people who weren't. Ticked off at her and, and booing at her, probably caught that pretty quickly, you know. Because I mean, that's Neil. Neil make a point, you know, yeah. in his inflection and how he sings live. You know, he'll get his point across. And I think you're right. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you They're not the only person that caught that. That was probably one look to the guy or the girl next to him, like, yeah, Dick. Yeah, just, yeah. just I, enjoy. Just shut up. And enjoy the show. This is you know? right.
1: This, this, this is Bob. <laughs> you're in Bob's house and you're booing one of his guests. Completely yeah. <laughs> inappropriate. And putting aside the fact that you're booing someone for protesting something and you're booing them while you're at a concert celebrating Bob Dylan. Exactly. <sighs> okay. Did
0: you just uh, miss the point?
1: <laughs> yeah. What, what are you getting out of this? Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about this song is that uh, this was part of the repertoire when Bob was touring America and England, mm-hmm. uh, and he was doing the rocked up version. And this was released. The a, a, a live version from that that tour was released as a B side to "I Want You" uh, the next year. And for many years, it was the only audible, officially released example of what Bob Dylan and the band sound like in 1965. It was literally the only – until the biograph set, it -hmm. was literally the only officially sanctioned song you could get from that tour was this random B-side.
0: That's insane to think you had to wait that long. If you were already – if you were a fan from then, you know, and oh my god. I never thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah, I take that, it for granted now because you've got so much of it you to choose from. But wow.
1: Yeah. Pre bootleg series, uh, Columbia Records was pretty parsimonious with getting that stuff out, and so yeah, now it's now we got a you know it's a, an abundance of riches, you know. But but before bootleg series, little stuff was tough to get. So um, live wise, I mentioned I that he did it 243 times. I've actually seen him do this live, mm-hmm. and I saw him at Madison Square Garden. Sing this on November 19th, 2001, wow. which was Dylan's first show after the 9-11 attacks. And when he sang the line, I'm going back to New York City, I do believe I had enough. That was an incredibly cathartic moment. The crowd cheered wildly because it felt like that was, I mean, we know Bob doesn't comment from the stage. He doesn't talk. Right. He, he, as he says, he lets the songs do the talking. But that line felt like that was Bob commenting of the moment that I'm back in New York City. You know, I'm going back to New York City. This is my town, mm-hmm. and it's obviously it's been it's been handed a, a heavy blow just a just a couple of months ago. But I'm back, and it, the crowd really went. it was. I, I start to my eyes start to get misty when I think about it because it was just such an amazingly genuine moment, and it's it's remarkable that you, you know Dylan's got so many songs in his catalog that he can pull these lines out yeah. that that might not have a particular resonance at the time, and then 30 years later they do.
0: I think about it's funny you mentioned that. I, I really love. The um, live version of "It's All Right, My I'm, I'm, oh, I'm always yeah. Bleeding." This all before the flood. Yep. And when he makes the comment about even the president of the United States, the United States the president of the United States must stand naked, and the crowd just goes yep. crazy. Yep. You know, because it's all very, it's all Nixon. It's yep. all right there. Like you said, Bob doesn't always do that, but he did that time, and they got it. Yeah. You know, says I, I bet that was I bet when y'all were all there because you're right, an affirmation that you know it's going to be okay. We can go back to New York City. You know, we can. Yeah, you know, it's our it's our town. Yeah, and you know, it it's good. It's all right. You know, it's all right. It's going to be all right.
1: Bob you Dylan's know. telling us to stand strong, and that's a good thing because that's what you need to hear from this guy. You know, and so Damn yeah, right. it was a really really great moment. So yeah, I I just like I said, I, I can't argue that it's a quote unquote better song than like a Rolling Stone or or even Ballad of a Thin Man or Desolation mm. Row. Uh, but this this like I said, I, I love all I love all the songs on the Highway yeah. sixty one, of course. But this one is sort of really my favorite. I just think it's just. It's just endlessly listenable, and I just love the, the feeling of desolation. And by the way, I should mention that, of course, the line up on Housing Project Hill, which I mentioned is from Jack Kerouac, is from a Jack Kerouac poem called Desolation Angels. And of course, desolation figures pretty heavily into the very next song.
0: Exactly. And I really appreciate, I really like your, your summation of that, how, you know, it's not, it's a thematic concept, Alvin. I, and you're right. I love that, how it goes from in Mexico, from not even being in America to going back into America, back to where you feel safest, or at least, well, I guess you feel safe in New York at that time. But um, but nonetheless, it still takes you right back into America, right back to essentially where you started to a certain yep. degree, you know, and that's really, that's a great Great, I guess, analogy of that. I never had considered that. That makes so much great sense. Thanks yeah. for turning me onto that alone. Well, That's yeah. Great.
1: I mean, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time analyzing all this stuff. Uh, so, but yeah, I said this is, I just, I absolutely just, I just love this song. I love all the, I think there's virtually every line is is just terrific. I mean, every line is evocative and it gives you this sort of feeling of these, you know, madhouse full of characters that are populating this world, and Dylan eventually just like, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't stand this anymore. And, again, and the band is just as as good as they ever could be. It's they're just absolutely amazing. So, uh, is there anything else you want to say about just like Tom Thumb's Blues before we wrap up?
0: Not that I could really think of. Just, um, just again, thank you. I'm so glad this is. That you told me that that you brought that up to is that this is your favorite off of this album because it's gold. It's absolutely out of because out of all the Dylan songs, again, I think I mentioned last time on Political World that I tend to gravitate towards the earlier stuff, specifically where it goes from folk to electric. And this is just this this is one of mine that's on my my kind of premier Dylan you know playlist that's on my phone and all that jazz. And it's just I love it. I love it to pieces. And again, thank you for letting me be on here with you and talk about this because this. I couldn't answer better. This oh. is really good.
1: Well, thank you. Like I said, it's, it's always fun talking to you. And I enjoyed when you were on talking about political world. And like I said, I, this song is just it's just terrific. So uh, I guess that is going to do it for Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues. Lee, thank you once again. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Stitcher and we're always talking Dylan over on Twitter which is at pod underscore Dylan so thanks everybody for listening until next week we will see you later bye The joke was on